0: Church. Great to see everybody here today. Stand with me if you will. Let's open this service by giving the Lord a wonderful hand praise of gratitude and thanksgiving, shall we? Do you love Jesus here today? Do you love him? Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We welcome everybody. Thank you so much for coming, uh, making this service possible today. We really appreciate you being here and trust that all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, I uh, was able to spend time with family and friends and certainly able to spend a little time around the kitchen table, right? And uh, I think all of us probably did some of that. But we're glad to have you here today and thank you so much for being here. We wanted to open our service today. We have a couple of uh, very special prayer requests that we need to bring to you and we wanted to do this first thing. As our service opens today, I'd like for us to first of all have prayer for Kathy Davis's sister. Her sister's name is Pam. Pam's son and daughter-in-law and their daughter were in a terrible car accident uh, a couple of nights ago in the, the just a little city of Jackson, north of here. And um, the her her son and daughter-in-law are in real serious condition, and the hospital and uh, their six-year-old daughter clara did not survive uh, that accident uh drunk driver and uh, let's pray for them let's pray for sister kathy her sister pam and this family that god would be with them through this very tragic tragic time and then as all of you know we sent out a church announcement that our sweet Alexis, sister sister alexander passed away this past week and um <clears throat> One of the amazing anchors in this church. Uh, a tremendous, tremendous lady and uh, she will be certainly be missed. Uh, her wake is the, this afternoon starting at four o'clock here at Grace Church. Her funeral will be this evening starting at six o'clock and then she will be uh, buried tomorrow at Baker Cemetery at 10 o'clock. So remember the Alexander family Uh, through this time as well. Let's take these needs and also pray for this service today. Let's take these needs to the Lord in prayer right now, shall we, everybody? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We're thankful that we have this opportunity, this privilege to call on you, to come to you during these times of need. These things are tragic. These things are heartbreaking, and they certainly go without any understanding. But we do place all of these things in your hands because you do know you do know. You know the ways we take. And I pray, God, that you would move and bless in both of these families, Sister Kathy's family, the Alexander family. God, you know what to do. You know what to do. You know how to heal bodies. You know how to heal hearts. And I pray today that you would comfort these people. I pray, God, that you would minister to them, that you would heal their bodies and be with them in the days and weeks ahead. I pray, God, as we have faith in you, That you'll hear this prayer, that you'll honor it, that you'll respond to it, that you'll answer this prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Can we praise the Lord again for hearing and answering prayer today? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Now, as you remain standing, I promised that I had a secret concerning our up-and-coming Christmas banquet y'all remember that i have been bribed by thousands and thousands of dollars attempted bribes to let that secret out of the hat. but i have not done it i remain true to my word and not let the secret out of course brother greg albretton will be our speaker and uh, our christmas banquet is on uh friday night december the 16th and uh starts at seven o'clock Everybody's welcome. All ages are welcome. We want Grace Church to show up. And it's just going to be a night of fun. Brother Greg Albritton is going to be our hired comedian. And I don't know if y'all ever heard the humor side of him, but he's one funny man. He is one. We've had him do Christmas banquets before, back in the day, and uh, he's going to do a great, great job. So now the secret. The cost for the banquet for adults... Uh, ages 13 and up is $30 per person between 5 and 12 is $15 a person and all of you 4 and under people get to eat for free here's the secret surprise Grace Church is going to pay half of that for everybody you're welcome So all of you people that just said, well, I can't go, I can't afford that. Now you can. Now you can. So it'll be $15 per person uh, for, uh, what, 13 and up. Uh, 12 and under will be seven fifty a person. Just divide that by two. And the four and under is going to remain at the same price. Uh, we can't cut that one in half. Uh, But it's making it affordable for everybody. We want everybody to come is a reason we're doing this. And uh, we want you to come. It's going to be a lot of fun. Our JV team is going to do a couple of skits. We're going to have some Christmas singing. It's going to be just a lot of fun. It would do you good uh, to show up at the Christmas banquet. And uh, in the next couple of days, we'll have a couple of tabs set up on our website, church website, that you can go in and, and pay. And uh, we want everybody to come, or you can pay in person. If you'd like to, you can turn your money into Sister Landry. Sister Murphy uh, would be fine either way. So uh, good news on the Christmas banquet. You get to go half price. It's going to be fun. Food's going to be great. And we're going to have a great time. Thank the Lord. And speaking of that, we're going to have a great time here this morning. Brother Dave is coming with a few more things to say, and we'll launch into our worship set this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see all of you today.
1: Before our praise team leads us in worship, I do want to just make a couple of notes with you about our upcoming church schedule this week. Don't forget that there's morning prayer this Tuesday at 10 o'clock. We want you to make that a part of your schedule on Tuesday if you can. And then this coming Wednesday night, we're very excited to announce that we're having Brother David Caddo, missionary to Madagascar and the Congo in in service with us this coming Wednesday night, so come prepared for a missionary service. We're going to have a great time and also be a blessing to their ministry. Um, I want to also remind you that on the 18th of December is the Grace Church Christmas service and our theme this year is God with us. I can think of no better theme for a Christmas service. Thank God with us. I just love that. I love it, love it, love it. I'm excited about the ministry that we'll experience uh, in music, also the ministry of the word that day. Bring somebody with you. Great service to just pack the house out. Bring somebody with you, and then finally, that same Sunday will be the deadline for the Christmas for Christ offering. We receive this offering every year, and it goes to help home, uh, help North American missions, help establish churches right here in North America. So. Remember that. Come prepared to give that day for Christmas for Christ. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't got it, say, I don't got it. All right. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. Got some honest people here today. Thank the Lord. That takes some of the pressure off the preaching today, Brother Benson. Uh, so, hey, you know what? We're getting ready to worship the Lord. We're in a season of Thanksgiving. And if we had time today, we could go all across this auditorium today talking about the goodness of God in every life. Every one of us has something that we can praise God for. But we don't have time to do that today, but what I'm going to ask you to do as we begin this service, I want you to think of one thing that God has done for you, one thing you're thankful for. And as we begin to sing, I want to ask you right now to just lift your hands heavenward, lift your voice and thank God for that one thing. Just praise Him for that one gift, that one blessing, that one answered prayer, that that one thing that He has done for you that has made it miraculous in your life. Would you do that right now, Grace Church?
0: Thank you, Jesus.
2: you. So bow down before your throne, see your face, I'll cry out.
3: you, Lord, thank you Jesus. I'm going to say a few words here today and 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 it is my firm belief my firm belief that somebody's life can be changed. Somebody's life, some a group of people's lives do not have to be the same burdened existence. Coming through the door. I love this message that the Lord gave me several weeks ago. I'm going to let you be seated. What's day before we be seated, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for you, Lord Jesus, today, dear God. We know that you have a sovereign will in every service, Lord Jesus, and we pray, dear God, that we yield ourselves, Lord Jesus, to the ministry of your Spirit, that we are obedient to your voice, dear God. Help us to hear, Lord Jesus, and to act, dear God, on what you speak to our hearts this morning. I pray that you bless this beautiful congregation of people. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated now. Thank you so much. My text, i are going to read extensively through several uh, uh, scriptural narratives in the Bible. So before we get to that, I'm going to let you be seated. Hope oh, you all had a good Thanksgiving. Did we? Can you say amen if you had a good Thanksgiving? Good, good. I know uh, this time of year can be very hectic, hopefully in a good way. I know it can be very hectic, so uh, thank you for being here this morning. We have a good good crowd here this morning on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. God bless you for being here. It is my intention, and my wife tells me never to say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. It is my intention this morning to be brief. <laughs> Not because there's anything more important than God's word or will. That's not why. But simply because this is a simple thought and it needs to resonate with you and it needs to do something with you and I don't need to beat you over the head with it. Does that make sense? It is a a concept what the Lord has given me. It's a concept and observation grounded to the foundation of hope that's why I love that second song and what they sang this morning. It's found, grounded to the foundation of hope that is represented, a hope that is represented by Almighty God. It is tethered to that strong hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I do not speak of hope lightly. I do not speak of it lightly. I believe that we all have this innate understanding of the significance of that feeling, the feeling of hope. But there's some observations about it that I think we need to to realize. Hope is only necessary, and it is only relevant from a position of pain and desperation. Hope isn't necessary within a life void of stresses and turmoil. If everything is copacetic in your life, if everything is going well, you really don't need hope, do you? Hope isn't necessary within a life free from chaos. But when you are in the storm, you need to be able to believe that there is a turning point, that there is some way through the chaos and the darkness of your life. Amen? Paul prayed this about the origin of our hope when he wrote to the church in Rome. He said this in Romans, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I love this, this verse of Scripture. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope, abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who fills us with hope? God. Who has that, that power? To provide hope for us. It is God. When I read that statement by Paul, I realize that our hope is anchored to someone or an entity who can see beyond the horizon of our circumstance, beyond the horizon of the specific moment of our lives. What I wish to extend to you this morning is an idea that I believe that can help some of you ...that are here, those of you who are struggling with the geography or the shape of your life. You have endured much. You have gone through cycles and phases of your lives... ...and, and you're struggling with the place and the, the topography of your life. You don't understand what you're going through. Not just the current acute position that you may find yourself. Not this, Maybe not this specific circumstance, but the overall trajectory that your life has moved along, the hills and the valleys, the moments of triumph that are bracketed by instances of desperate failure. I offer this message to those of you who face the end of another year, and your assessment, this is your assessment, your assessment of your position brings a sense of despair and and regret. You have attended church. You're a church person. You identify as a child of God, yet you perhaps feel inwardly like a fraud. There is this internal sensation of futility, and, and you just can't see to the other side of the chaos of this moment of your existence. That's who I'm speaking to you need to understand something very significant. You need to understand that there is another chapter to your life that you have not seen. This is not the point to despair. This is the point that God wants you to prepare to turn the page to the next chapter of your life. That's what the Lord is telling some people here this morning at the end of 2022 the circumstance and the situation and the trajectory of your life that is this is not the ending point this is merely the place where there is going to be a transition to something different something new and God can help you reach that next chapter you need to understand you need to understand this morning that you are not permanently fixed in a position of dysfunction, or grief, or frustrating spiritual immobility. You need to understand that there is something beyond the horizon that you can see. You have another chapter in your life, and that other chapter is in Christ. What I have felt in my heart over the last several weeks is, directed me to look not at a single scripture for the totality of this message. Normally we read a, a single scripturist text and we go on with our message. That's, that's not what I felt to do. I felt to look, look at a life in aggregate from scripture. When we read the Holy Word of God, we have the benefit of observation from the distance of time, don't we? We are provided not only with explicit declarative statements of principle and doctrine, such as what I spoke earlier about hope. But we are provided these principles exampled in the occurrences within the Word of God. We're we're given an explicit principle, and then the Word of God examples it in someone's life or in an occurrence. I love that. We see how it works in a life. Our text this morning Our primary text this morning will be drawn from a life that is detailed like few others in the Bible. A life of tremendous significance, yet one composed of many chapters and phases. It is the life of King David. All of us are familiar with this great man of faith. We're going to do a brief examination of of David's life. We have been gifted with this man's struggles, this man's life from from obscurity to discovery, from triumph to disaster, to redemption and to recovery. What we learn from this life, from his life, reveals, it reveals something. It reveals the tremendous redemptive power of God. And yet for us to truly appreciate its significance, we must remember to consider each moment in its singular context. We can see his life from from his early childhood into his death. But we have to understand that he lived it. We have to look at each moment of his life and understand that he couldn't see beyond the horizon of the moment in which he was living. We see the context of his life broadly from beginning to end. But David lived every moment, every struggle, every triumph, every failure. Oftentimes we read through the biblical narratives of a life if it were simply a story, never considering that this was a life lived moment by moment. These are human experiences that were encountered one chapter at a time, usually without the benefit of divine revelation as to the specifics of what that next moment might hold. We know what happened to David. We know what happened to Joseph. We know what happens to Peter's life. Because we can read it in black and white. But they lived each moment, at a, one, one moment at a time. I want to begin our brief examination of King David by looking at an assessment of the totality of his person. This assessment is not one that was offered by the careful examination of, of another human being. It was a divine evaluation. It was spoken by God first through the prophet Isaiah, but revisited by the apostle Paul. We need to know what God's feelings and concepts of this complex man was. You read in Acts chapter 13, verse 21 and 22, something interesting. And afterward, Paul is speaking. They asked for a king, and so God gave them them Saul, the son of Kish, the man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. Verse 22, and when he, had been, when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. That was God's evaluation of David, a man after my own heart. This is an incredibly important declaration made by our omniscient. Everybody say that, omniscient. Omniscient. Almighty, holy God. That is God's evaluation of David. This was an opinion of David made by an entity who knew the fabric of David's life before David was born. This was an evaluation from an entity, a being, who saw the breath and the span of David's life and everything that he did within that life. And yet he said, this was a man after my own heart. This was not based upon a specific moment or one unique chapter in this man's life. This was the verdict of our Lord, knowing not only David's triumphs of faith, but also David's failures of the flesh. This is such an important concept to understand. We must appreciate the timeless scope of God's awareness and knowledge. He is not bound to the linear time frame that we exist in. Sometimes we, in this time, we have this tendency to languish within the rubble of our lives Thinking ourselves beyond the redemptive power of even God, we cannot think of a future that is not forever tainted by the deficiencies of our character. Yet there is a God. There is a God that died for you while you were in sin. A Lord who extended to you salvation and His his Spirit fully aware of your future failure whenever you came to the Lord and and, and felt that beautiful presence and were filled with the Spirit of God, the Lord understood that you were a deficient being capable of failure. Do you think that the Lord was ignorant of the impending valleys of your life? Those future chapters inked by poor choices... Failures of faith and creeping doubt. Do you think he was ignorant of that when he first reached into your life? No, he was not. You must understand that your life is an aggregate of many chapters. And you need to let God help you turn the page, folks. You need to let God help you turn the page. Let's go back to David. We can appreciate the extent of this singular man's contribution to the scriptural narrative. King David was was able to accomplish something that remained elusive to his predecessor, Saul, the unification of Israel. We're talking about this man's life, the the tremendous things that he did. Prior to David's kingship, Israel, Israeli tribes had been held together by a loose confederacy, but as recounted in 2 Samuel, tribal elders who held great esteem for David came together and chose David as their leader, binding them together into a a cohesive, unified nation. that happened under David. Although David was anointed king in Hebron, he endeavored to to establish the walled city of Jerusalem as the capital of his kingdom. This is one of David's greatest accomplishments as king and one of the first actions as he took as ruler of Israel. To this day, Jerusalem remained Israel's most sacred and holy city. It occurred under David. This young man who used to be a shepherd Although it is King David's son Solomon who builds Israel's first temple, it is David who retrieves the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and brings it to Jerusalem. He creates the plans for the temple and accumulates the materials for its construction. Under David, Jerusalem would not only become the political capital of Israel, but also its religious center. That's a significant thing for a young man who just used to tend sheep forgotten by his family. We read in scripture, in his youth he defeats Goliath, demonstrating his great faith in God. He marries King Saul's daughter and becomes a hero in Saul's army army to all of Israel. By his hand, large portions of the book of Psalms are written. And he provided generations of Christians with inspiration and motivation God. We are not, however, going to evaluate his life from only the pinnacle of triumph and accomplishment. That is not every phase of David's life. David's life, as many others who have discovered purpose in God, did not begin with declarations of greatness. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verses 1 through 13 says this, and the Lord said to Samuel, How long without thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with all, and go, and I will send thee to, to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. Provided me a king among his sons. Verse 3, And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me. Him who I name unto thee. So the Lord was choosing a specific individual. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peacefully? Peaceably. And he said, Peaceably. I come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and he called them to the sacrifice. And please pay attention to verse 6. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab, the and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. This is Samuel in a specific moment in his own life, looking at an individual and thinking, Surely this man has got to be God's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Over the next few uh, verses, each son of Jesse is brought before the prophet. These, these verses ending with a statement concerning each of those young men. The Lord hath not chosen these. By the metric of the moment and the chapter that Samuel's life was in and the, and the chapter of the lives in the, the nation of Israel, one of those young men should have been good enough the Lord does not look at things the way we do. Verse 11 says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he saith, They remaineth yet the youngest, my youngest son, my boy. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he comes hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Let's be honest. Our thoughts are often divergent from the Lord's, aren't they? We attribute value and capability according to a flawed metric. This is repeated or illustrated in the actions of one of the greatest prophets in the Word of God. Samuel perceives value in Eliab based upon his physical being. This anointed man determined value and capability based upon a momentary carnal standard. Even though he was sent sent for the purposes of establishing a leader in harmony with God's will for an entire nation. Not only for the chapter in its existence, but for the challenges in in its future. Samuel could not see beyond the horizon of the moment that he was living in. He did not understand what the next chapter in Israel, Israel might hold. Samuel was fixed within a single chapter while God was looking to the end of the book. David represented to Israel a conduit through which God would demonstrate His power and presence to His chosen people, but He was an afterthought to His family. He was an afterthought to His family. There was no divine revelation as He stood with the sheep in the field that in the next few years of His life He would be king of Israel. He didn't understand what the next chapter of His life held. Some of you may exist within the confines of anemic expectation at this moment in your life. You are painfully aware of your limitations. You do not receive the comfort associated with familial confidence and encouragement. Nobody believes in you. But you have a God that wants to turn the page in your life. Let me explain something about certain uncomfortable phases in life. It does not matter if your family or your friends recognize the potential that your Creator seated within you. It doesn't matter if your next-door neighbor understands that you're a child of God in the context of what you're going to do. It only matters, it only matters that you are in alignment with God's design so that that potential can blossom. I don't have to write your next chapter in your life. God has already done it. This is not the final chapter of your life. Again, I tell you, let God help you turn the page. In verse 13, we learn something very important about the character of God as well. Let's read that again. It says, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. We witness within these words words, the relentless mercy of God. The relentless love and grace of God. Why? Why do we witness that in those words? Why do we witness that in the words that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward? Because the life of David was not one long list of perfect service to God and faithful adherence to His commandments. David's life, somebody needs to listen to me, David's life was marked with chapters of failure just like yours. Read in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David's grotesque acts of depravity. He desires a woman who is the wife of another. He commits adultery. He uses subterfuge in an attempt to hide his sin. And when that doesn't work, he resorts to murder to cover up his failure. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5, it says this, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the temple. The people of Ammon and besieged Rehob, Reba. But David remained at Jerusalem. David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold so David sent and inquired about the woman David the champion of Israel David the slayer of Goliath David the architect of the temple is this not Bathsheba so David inquired about the woman and someone said it is Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, a man who's battling for you at this very moment? Then David sent messengers and took her. She came to him and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. This is David, King David, the man who danced before the Ark of the Covenant, the man who slayed Thousands, his ten thousands. These actions appear in contradiction to the vaunted and esteemed betrayal of a man after God's own heart. But they are characteristic of the sin and the weakness that lies at the door of all mankind. We are prone to failure that may shock you, we are prone to corruption. Corruption caused by the willingness to satisfy our flesh that is an abiding aspect of the fallen human condition. Humanity, even those who have walked with God are walking with God can transition from a stage of faithfulness to God to a phase of failure. It is that Incessant thorn that nags at all humanity, erecting obstacles between us and our God. Obstacles, ladies and gentlemen, that do not have to remain fixed in place. The context of this message is hope for someone that there is another chapter in your life beyond the darkness of the place that you are in. Hope beyond the place of frustration that you are in. There is another chapter that God is writing in your life. You just have to turn the page. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The great and liberating truth is that God understands this fault in the character of the beings that He loves so much and has made provision for our restoration he does not leave us bereft of our father and friend. He does not allow our potential to wither unrealized. We need to understand something about the Lord, that being in relationship with Him, that, that being in alignment with His plan, for our lives, takes into consideration, it takes into consideration, consideration our failures. It takes into consideration our deficiencies. It, does, it just doesn't stop there. It doesn't just stop there. David's potential in God did not end in his failure. It was just used to inform us as to the extent of God's greatness and grace. Through this particular chapter in David's life, this horrific, dark, sordid chapter in his life, we are instructed in not only, not only for everyone's capacity for inadequacy, but there is a method to move forward in God's mercy. We are instructed in this man's hardship in, in a way forward in God. When David sinned, something you have to understand, when David sinned, he always repented. And return to God. If you have fallen. Learn from the unpleasant chapter in David's life. Allow this man's journey to educate you on the appropriate posture toward God. You see. This is what I think is so beautiful about. About the tapestry of David's life. Between the declaration of David being called and being designated a. A man after God's own heart and his extraction from obscurity tending his father's flock was not only the exalted position of liberator, but the ignoble position of sinner. And it was in this moment of his life, the low point, that we read one of the most heartfelt examples of repentance in Scripture. Psalms chapter 51. I want to read that to you. I want to read that to you and you understand what turning a page means and moving on to another chapter in God means. Verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. This man understood the place that he was in. He realized his failure, but he was not ending his life on that note. He went on to say, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me He understood his origins. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you will make me. Me to know wisdom, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I want you to think of this this man pouring his heart out in prose after murdering and committing adultery. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities in verse 9. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, and do not take your holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and behold, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness, O Lord. Open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in the burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God, this is key, ladies and gentlemen, are not, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. This man who was in a position of being exalted, who was in a position of being exalted throughout the known world, had fallen and failed, but that was not the final chapter in his life. And in this beautiful prose, this beautiful scripture, we see how God turns the page in a person's life. I believe this is the moment when David's page was turned. A heart darkened by sin, honestly turning to the loving kindness of God honestly turning, yielding humbly to the multitude of his tender mercies. He committed himself completely to the will of God. And as God's beloved, the Lord used him to perform mighty acts for the sake of Israel after his failure. Scripture says David could boast that he stood blameless before God. I said that in verse 13 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, demonstrated the relentless mercy of the Lord. How? How was that? Because those words were spoken at the beginning of David's life. At the moment which he shifted from simply being the youngest son of Jesse into being in alignment with God's design. The scripture states that God's spirit came upon David from that day forward. And because of David's recognition of his sin and and subsequent repentance, we never read of God's spirit departing from him. That's a profound thing to understand. David's life demonstrates to us that our perception of another's failure and future in God's kingdom must take into account the power of of forgiveness and God's restorative ability. It must take into account his desire to bring us forward into the next chapter of our lives. Grace Church, some of you may feel as if you're in a place of stasis, a place of spiritual immobility. You may feel burdened by a life that has yielded less than you expected in service to God. What you cannot up to this point realize or imagine is this: is that this is not the terminus of your life. This is not the final chapter that God has written. There is another chapter, chapter. You simply have to trust in God that in His time, that page is going to turn. That page is going to turn. David transitioned from that moment of failure into a life of fruitfulness through the long-suffering grace and mercy of God. That's what happened. This is the power that is necessary to move you forward in relationship with God. David understood the concept of faith. You need to as well. You have to believe that God is able to transform your life. the trajectory of your life is not as fixed as you may think if you are struggling with a sense of listlessness you can stand please if you're struggling with a sense of listlessness this this perception of your stagnation you must believe that this is not a place that you were meant to remain in the path forward that next chapter is found in yielding yourself to the methods and mercies of God when I was Preparing for this message, a a, a scripture in the Old Testament in Jeremiah came to me. I think it's very relevant. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, we see that Jeremiah is watching a potter. The word which came to Jeremiah in verse 1 from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels and the vessel that he made of clay was born in the hand of the potter. So what did he do? What did he do? Scripture says that he made it again, another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make it. We have, ladies and gentlemen, this infuriating inclination for pessimism. It affects not only our secular lives, our day to day, but more importantly, our spiritual lives this spiritual cynicism roots us into a singular place. It robs us of faith and blinds us to the potential in the next chapter of our lives. So you have to understand something. If you are marred on the wheel, this is, this is the problem that we have. If, if we're marred on the wheel, we expect to be discarded, not shaped again. We can't see beyond the horizon of our lives. But what God is trying to tell someone here this morning, if there is another chapter, a chapter that contains His grace, that is example in your triumph, not in your destruction. God did not abandon David in that low point in his life, in that low moment in his life, He saw another chapter, one filled with purpose and contribution and fulfillment. What I'm asking you this moment is to come forward. Find a place to pray. Yield yourself to God this morning. And allow the Lord to help you turn the page. Allow the God to, to help you move forward into the next chapter of your life one that isn't stained with defeat, one that isn't stained with frustration, but one that has moved you into a place of fulfillment. God wants to do something amazing. I understand that we are bound in the the moments of the, 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 the holiday season, but God doesn't care about that, ladies and gentlemen. He's looking for a life that wants to turn a page and to move forward. Can you yield yourself to the Lord this morning? God bless you.
0: Several years ago, I was walking around our neighborhood where we used to live, and I took a picture of what I'm about to explain and planned to, at some point, build a a message off of it. But somebody had a a garbage can set out close to the street, and apparently it was broken to them. There was no more value or use in it. And they painted a big X, across the front of the garbage can, and it just simply said, take me. When I saw that, I thought about my own life and the lives of many other people that I know, that at some point the devil tried to convince us that we no longer had value, we no longer had purpose. And we used to be used for the devil's garbage can. And now he himself had no more use or purpose for our life. That struck me so powerfully. As a matter of fact, I was looking through pictures on my phone the other day and I came across that picture and it reminded me of it. In my opinion, Brother Ben, if there was ever a man in the Bible that could have had a big X painted across his chest and said, Take me and just throw me as far away as you can. Is the amazing man that he preached about today. The only difference in the life of David that kept him from being discarded was the mercy and the grace of God. And these folks just sing he keeps running after me. he keeps running after me. I preached a sermon when we were evangelizing one time is the only time the Lord ran the only time God ran. It's illustrated in the story of the prodigal son. When that dad saw his son coming home, the Bible said he ran and met him and kissed him and took him back home and put a robe on him and sandals on his feet and he killed the fatted calf. I want everyone here to know today, I want all of our young people to know here, I don't care what life says and what our culture says about you, It may come a a time to you, and it's a reality to you, you think that there's no more use and there's no more purpose for my life. But I can promise you, with everything in me, and I've done this for a long time through the years, God always has another chapter. He always has another chapter to come.
1: No matter what happens,
0: no matter what happens. There's people standing here today that has gone through some of the most difficult, challenging moments in your family structure where you've been betrayed, you've been abused, you've been neglected, and it seems like God is a million miles away. So let's just paint the big X across us and tell the next garbage truck to come along to just take us to the dump. We're done. But not so in God's economy. Some of the greatest people that's ever walked this planet have been those who have been the obvious, obvious illustration of the mercy and the grace of God. And God help us when we don't forgive the trash receptacle that we want to throw away out of our life. God help us when we don't want to forgive them, because if it were not for the grace and mercy of God, we wouldn't be here either. Don't ever forget, we're all sinners just saved by grace. Thank you for articulating such an amazing message today. Let's give the Lord some thanks today for what we've heard. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you today. We love you today. We love you today. And what I'm going to ask you to do today in conclusion, I mean it with all of my heart, I want you to go to somebody and hug their neck and remember that you're not hugging a useless throwaway garbage can you're hugging a child of god that's been bought by the blood of calvary praise the lord don't you love the lord don't you love one another praise the lord as they continue to play softly go to somebody today tell you, you tell them you love them and you're thankful for the grace of god today god bless you today